0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in Association Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones and Sam Carroll as we run through all the topics and talking points from Goodison ahead of tomorrow's game with Southampton at home. Uh, We'll be talking Holgate and Zuma. We'll be talking... Martina, is he misunderstood? Has he joined Stoke City on loan? We'll be talking about Southampton, who believe it could be the right time to face the Blues. We'll also be talking Marcel Brands, who's been a huge talking point this week, and discuss and dissect his lively and colourful uh, series of interviews. And if there's time, we'll squeeze in a little bit about Bernard and, and the new signings who may or may not feature at the weekend. Um, so let's start with a, a very simple question. Phil D'Agielka is unavailable. He's suspended, Sam. Uh, it would seem logically that Michael Keane starts on the left hand side of central defence. So, who plays alongside him? Is it Mason Holgate or Kurt Zuma? Uh,
1: me and Adam were talking about this before, and I think uh, Adam's not going to have the same answer as me, but definitely Zuma. Uh, definitely? Definitely Zuma. I think he's big, he's strong, he's experienced at obviously Chelsea and, and in France before that. And I just think that this, this game one is quite crucial. You know, to get the start of the season we've got is all about getting. Points on the board as, as soon as possible, and I just think that uh, Mason isn't quite the, the the finished article. Whereas hopefully that's what Zuma
0: will be for us. Does Sam know that? But you know, considering we're probably going to have most of the ball tomorrow, would have thought Southampton are probably going to come and try and sit in and hit us on the break. So do we not need Holgate, who might be a bit better on the ball?
1: It's just one of them. I just think at the moment, if you if you're picking Zuma, you're picking your your best possible team. I think if you if you line them up against each other, that to Zuma is a is a better centre back than, than Mason Holgate for the time being. I think uh obviously last season our best defensive partnership was that, that run when Allardyce first took over and it was Holgate and weirdly enough Ashley Williams, but for now I think that is someone as well who can really compliment Michael Keane. You know, he's a he's a little bit bigger than Mason, he's a little bit faster than Mason. And yeah, I th- I think I'd just like to see us see us go for Zuma and Keane.
0: Adam, uh, explain to us why, not for the first time, Sam is wrong. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not disputing the fact that probably at some point,
2: Ketzuma will be a better option than Mason Holgate. As you say, he is probably a better player. But I think right now, Mason Holgate is the best fit into this team. He's been training with Marco Silva ever since he came into the club. I think when he came on against Wolves, I was really impressed with how well he played, considering he has. He didn't really get a lot of game time in preseason. Thanks to that. Achilles injury that he had throughout. So I don't know. I, I, I just I just like to see if it's not broke, why why try and fix it? I think Zoom Zoom has only been at the club a week. I'm not doubting that he's a fantastic defender, but is he going to be settled enough to really come into this team instantly? I don't know. I like I think Holgate is the safer option, and I'd rather go for that at the minute.
0: Adams is a fantastic defender Sam what's your thoughts about the signing generally are, are you concerned at all that he was part of a Stoke City team which uh, fell out of the Premier League and into the Championship last season or are you comforted and, and, and encouraged by the fact that he's got decent pedigree, Chelsea paid a lot of money for him to sign from St Etienne a number of seasons ago where, where do you feel, where do you stand on, on Zouma as an addition?
1: I think it was uh, the, I can't remember what, what Chelsea game it was, but a few years ago, and, and I was sitting in the, the lower Gladys with we made the ball, came across the pitch, and I think it might have been, you know, some, it wasn't anyone particularly fast, it might have been Stephen Naismith or something like that, kind of rant. Any yeah, of the
0: Everton team at that time, probably. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I always just remember seeing Zuma run across the pitch to get this ball, and I have never seen a defender run like that. I've never seen anyone as, as quick as that, and I think the the defender that we've we've... Failed to replace down The years has, has probably been Sylvan Distan when he was when he was in his peak. You know, I think obviously people know that he, he declined a little bit and he, he lost his legs a little bit towards the end. But that partnership to him and Jagelkard was was one of the mm. best. And you know, I really think that Zoom is a, a similar mould to Distan. You know, Distan wasn't exactly about getting the ball down and playing by any means, but you know, he was always there to put his head on it and, and put the tackle in when. When it needed to be, and I think the the team, I think Goodison will, will appreciate a, a defender like Zuma, and you know whether it's Zuma and Mina or Mina and, Hol, Zuma and Holgate, and or you know whatever combinations that we we now choose to play, I think Zuma and Mina can can really help both Mason and Michael Keane develop as 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 defenders at Evan.
0: Yeah, so we should, um, as Sam says, but we should clarify at this point. Anybody's listening, wondering why we haven't included. Yeri uh, Mina is because Marco has basically said he's not going to be fit to play against Southampton had a small problem his foot but it does not seem to be too serious but he uh, he won't be available tomorrow Adam you've been speaking to somebody from the Stoke end who's given us a really interesting perspective on Zuma last season you give us, tell us who you spoke to and, and, and just what they were, were sort of saying about his experience last season
2: uh, well I spoke to Pete Smith from the Stoke Sentinel obviously our sister paper and uh, he he said the Zuma was brilliant. He said, wow. he's, "Well, he's not the finished article, certainly. You know, he's only he's only 23." But he
1: said he was not
0: 19, as Joe Rimmer thought on the podcast uh, last week. He's 23. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> it's staggering on the Zuma's the same age as us.
0: I'm older than him now.
1: You're older than K. Zuma. Yeah, it's time to retire.
2: Time to retire. Yeah. Like hang up my football boots now.
1: Well, people should know for context that you played centre half once for the Echo FC, and I think
0: I, I will. And check. I will play there again for Echo <laughs> FC. I love <have> you now. <laughs> Dark days. What did Pete say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he said that
2: Zuma was essentially a victim of Mark Hughes' style at Stoke City last season. He said Mark Hughes was influenced into bringing in a sort of wing back style. But he forgot to sign any wing backs, so right. he was left. He was left with a lot of central defenders right. and very little organisation at the back, which Katozuma then eventually had to try and deal with throughout throughout the majority of the campaign. Was he?
0: So did Pete say they were playing uh, like a five-three-two, or was it essentially? Yeah, right. Okay. Without
2: without wing backs, <laughs> right. so there was, there was so little organisation there. That's why you'll see their defensive statistics. You know, like up there with the worst in Europe last season, and that's obviously contributed to the downfall, but he said that while Zuma does still have a few mistakes in him, they, he, he said that Stoke fans at the start of last season probably thought that he'd be in the France squad by now, he'd mm. be in a chewing for their player of the season because, as Sam was mentioning there, he's got so much pace. Like Whenever he makes a mistake, he's got that pace to get back mm. and make the recovery tackle, and I think that's something that Everton are really missing. If you've not got Mason Holgate in that team, who think it's probably our quickest centre-back. You've you've got Michael Keane, you've got Yeri Mina, who aren't particularly quick players themselves, and then you've obviously got Phil Jagielka, who, despite his pace showing through
0: last season, I think over the summer,
2: that's dro- dropped off quite significantly. Well, well,
0: it's probably, as you quite rightly point out there, and, and there's no coincidence in the fact that recovery was a big part of Jagielka's arsenal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, his ability to make up for maybe any errors or positional mistakes he could get back, couldn't he? But, mm-hmm. Sam, just staying with, with Zuma, um why why do we why do you think it's not worked out at Chelsea? You look at that Chelsea team now. Could he not get in that Chelsea team?
1: I think Chelsea's a, an odd place for a for a young player to be, isn't it? I think that you know, you look at a lot of lads they've sent out on loan. You look at people like Loftus-Cheek where he is in the starting lineup and you know you if you're listening Loftus come here <laughs> If, uh, if you, I think if you spoke to any Evertonian who watched Ross Barkley regularly and then watched Ruben Loftus cheek in the World Cup over the summer of Crystal Palace last season they'd be very surprised to see how, how Ross is, is maybe getting ahead of him in the Chelsea team at the moment so I don't think it, it particularly worries me that he, he's not in the Chelsea team You know they, they do spend a lot of money they've got a, a lot of big name centre-backs still um, but I think that you know, hopefully it's just everything that the the Mangala alone wasn't. You know, a player who, you know, you knew was a little bit of a risk, but I think Mangala already came with that weight of he really did have a point to prove. He'd really struggled. He hadn't done that well for Man City with with that massive price tag. You know, Zoom is young enough that you know I think as as Adam saying there you know he's he's excited. Some people at Stoke, I think I've seen some Chelsea fans who you know when he, fir- he first got announced he signed forever and were a bit like you know why, you know he's better than certain players. That they've got now, you know. So, so at, at the end of the day, I think it could be a, a perfect kind of marriage between Everton and Zuma, and you know, hopefully that he does play well enough that we're talking at the end of the season about about wanting to keep him and about wanting to to build a defence well, around the, people like him and yet, mean because they're that age now that you want to be want to be signing players. Of. I
2: think another thing that interested me about speaking to Pete a bit earlier was that when I asked him about whether Zuma has what it takes to be a top quality Premier League player, he said he has. Absolutely, no doubt. And he said that, looking at his performances last season, it's no wonder that Chelsea recently gave him a six-year contract. I think that was just before he made the loan move mm. to Stoke. So I think there's obviously a lot of belief in the Chelsea ranks that he can progress. It's just he needs to get that experience away from. Like we know that Chelsea, are the, this kind of club, that accrue as much young talent as possible and then just keep loaning them out. I think Zuma's just probably at the back end of that at the minute. So. This could be his last loan spell and then this this could really be his biggest loan spell, his last chance to prove whether he wants to make it at Chelsea or whether he wants to move on. Maybe if he does well enough here, we, we might see him come permanently here. But yeah, I think this is a big opportunity for Zuma, and
0: I think he'll know that absolutely interesting thanks chaps that was uh, that was interesting perspective on uh, Kurt Zuma who joined on deadline day well deadline day plus one wasn't it in the end uh, <laughs> a defender who has gone in the other direction today is Cuco Martina uh, he has joined Stoke City on a season long loan um, no no great secret was it that Cuco was was on his way out he was part of the uh, the four man squad separate to the first team um, who'd sort of been uh, sidelined by the manager if you like Um Sam, we spoke about this before we started recording look cuco is you know has come in for degrees of criticism, maybe a little bit of ridicule at times do you do you see a misunderstood footballer or or is it you know as as what you see is what you get with martina
1: I think it's a, a little bit somewhere in between. I think it's that. You know, every football team has, has the players who, as you said, it's it kind of, you know, and especially now, you've got the vacuum of social media and it's a little bit of an echo chamber. I think at a time when we weren't doing so well, he, he kind of summarised the, the failings of the last transfer window and, and kind of, he, he looked out of place a lot of the time, didn't he? But, you know, it, it, there was never any reason to, to kind of hate Martina or to particularly dislike Martina because I think, you know, he we went out there, he knew that he couldn't pick the ball up like Baines and Fizz passes into the centre forward's feet, he knew he couldn't beat a man, he knew he weren't gonna put a put a whipped left foot cross into the box on, on too many occasions, but he went out there and he you know, you could quite clearly see that he was playing to the manager's instructions, you know, and, and, and that's what Allardyce asked him to do, those things, to, to sit in, to get tight to the centre halves, to cover them and to not let your man beat you. And, you know, if you look if you look back over all those games he played in I don't think there was many times that he got fully, you know, taken on and and got beaten. You know, obviously there was the Salah goal in the derby, but strangely enough, was probably one of his his better games for Everton. And I think, you know, I'm not sitting here now saying Cuco Martina should should be in the Everton squad. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be in the Everton first team. There never should have been the opportunity for him to be in the Everton first team last season. And to be fair to Cumin, I don't think that's what he was ever signed for. You know, I think it was obviously the the short-sightedness of, of of thinking Baines was just gonna carry on forever without picking up an, an injury, and, and we got left in that situation. But you know, it, it, it's the right move for both parties. I think a solid player for the championship. Uh, you know, and, and he was solid enough for us last season. But again, it's just it's a testament that you can sit there and you can say what great work we've done in getting in three lads from Barcelona and uh, Ratchalison and Zuma in, in the transfer window. But when you look at the players that we've got out. You know, and, and Martina won't be the last. It doesn't look like, you know, I, I think we've done some, some terrific work there.
0: I mm-hmm. Adam, what's your thoughts on, on Kuko Martina's one and probably only season at Everton? Um, Sam mentioned there his one-on-one defending abilities being pretty decent, but mm-hmm. perhaps lacking with the ball at his feet. Um, how how would you think it's a fair reflection of, of Kuko Martina's time? I think he was just probably at the wrong place at the wrong time, really,
2: I think. You can't you can't fault his professional attitude, which I think really needs to be put forward here. Look, It's not easy for a right-back to go over to left-back. It's, it's why so little players in the league can do it, and it's probably why I personally think Cesar Azpilicueta is probably one of the best defenders in the league, because he can play across that whole back line, and that's so impressive. Look, I've spoken to Michael Ball a lot about this last season, and he said... It's so it's so difficult to just get your mind around where your body position should be mm. even when a winger's coming at you. So I think for Cuco Martina to show in a lot of games last season, that kind of defensive solidity in that position, I think that should be admirable. And I think he, he was the vic- he was an obvious victim of a squad that wasn't performing very well because, you know, I think we all kind of accepted that he probably wasn't at the level that Everton should need or should expect. But I don't think he put in any less effort or performed particularly any worse than a lot of players who were on much bigger wages and we paid a lot more money for last season. So I think his professionalism should be really what what we try and remember out of out of mm. his spell at Everton. And I don't think he should go go to Stoke with any any sort of bad blood. Like he was just he was he was a solid enough player, as Sam's saying there. But. You know, we. I think we we can all accept that he wasn't good enough, and I think he will be a, a decent player for the championship. i to say,
0: Sam, you think he, he can do a decent job for Stoke, can he?
1: Yeah, I think uh, any Stoke fans listening, you've definitely won the league because you've got Peter <laughs> and Ashley Williams in in your back four. So, uh, no. But,
0: but j- joking aside, though, those two signings for Stoke City for the championship, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs>
1: It depends how long and how intently you've been watching Ashley Williams for. It, it, I've it, seen every step of the way. It, it,
2: it depends <laughs> what it depends what strikers they're going to be coming up against. I think, like if Ashley Williams is put up against you know that kind of pacey striker who wants to get in behind them, I think he's going to really struggle. But if he's put up against you know maybe your more typical Championship striker, you know somebody who's going to really want to get into a physical battle, I think Ashley Williams will still be absolutely sound with dealing with that. So yeah, I think he'll be. Just as, as solid a sign as Cuco Martina. I suppose,
1: I suppose as you're saying as well, Phil, you know, like I mentioned before, when Allardyce first came in, Williams looked pretty pretty good alongside Holgate probably recaptured close to what his best form was in Cooman's first season where, you know, I would say he was one of our better players from from that first season. I thought I thought he'd done well. So, you know, if if Stoke are looking to kind of you know he's gonna have more support in that team than he certainly had last I think a lot of people forget the, the large part of what killed Everton a lot last season was no midfield cover, no midfield protection. Wasn't it? Obviously, that's something that Silveral. I think you're seeing it rearing it's head a little bit in pre-season. That'll be something. You know, I think tomorrow one of the most interesting things to to look at to see how that mid- midfield operates. You know, obviously Sigerton's going to be in there a little bit more now, but to watch Schneiderlin and Gay and see how they cover either Holgate or or Zoom is going to be going to be a big a big thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so uh, Kuko Martina obviously has moved clubs today and hopefully now works with a manager who actually knows his first name. Um, <laughs> and his new team, Stoke City, they, they play Preston uh, in the evening kickoff. by which point we will know the result from Goodison, where Marco Silva officially kicks off his home reign as Blues boss with the visit of Southampton. Adam Marquise uh, held his pre-match press conference on Thursday, um, and he suggested that it could be the right time for them to face an Everton team with a new manager some new players new ideas swirling around the place Um, has he got that one right? I'm not sure he watched the Wolves game
2: last week (laughs) if he really thinks that Uh, I think one look at our second half performance in particular against Wolves shows that this really isn't the time that you want to be playing Everton look we we lost lost our captain five minutes before half time of that Wolves that Wolves game and I think as as, as I said to you when we were Driving back home after that game, like, if that happened at any point last season, I would have backed Everton to get beat three or four one. Mm. Edwards would have went down, and they just wouldn't have saw a way back into it. But not only did Marco Silva make the quick change to set up in in a defensive manner, but not only did Everton play with that defensive resilience, but they were on the attack as well. And probably are disappointed that they haven't come away with all three points at the end of that one, especially you know with that chance with the. Coleman running down the line and the ass is in the box you know if that if that finds its way in the ass then that's 3-2 and you'd you'd think that's game over and just the pride and the desire that they played with in that second half that's going to give surely a really good bit of momentum going into the this game against Southampton not just for the players but for the fans who are watching at home as well because I feel like there'll be a much more of a feel-good factor at this time around, you know, there is a new manager. There's a lot of new players to get excited about. Last season with Goodison was toxic on many occasions, I have mm. to say, but I, I just can't see that being the case this time around. It's not going to be like the last game of the season against Southampton. You're coming up against an entirely different Everton entity this time around. A, a team that have got seemingly a bit of belief about them, a good lot of pace about them, a good lot of attack and threat about them. I just don't see how he thinks this is going to be a good time to face Everton at all
0: As Adam says Sam there's going to be some neat symmetry obviously Southampton were our final home op- opponents last season and the first this season what are you expecting from the team tomorrow?
1: A million times better than what we've seen on the last home <laughs> game of last season I remember actually I was watching that game uh, at home because I'd missed a start through work through, uh, here and uh, I just turned off the last 20 minutes I was just done with that season completely and I think turned it back on a bit later and, and seen we on but it was just that kind of feeling of complete apathy by that point wasn't it I think tomorrow Mark Hughes really should be worried because he's going to be the complete opposite I think Goodison's a sellout a new manager and I think Richarlison is, is slowly already becoming that player that I think fans can really associate themselves with and you know a really likeable lad as I think anyone listening has probably seen on, on social media or in, in the news, how interactive he is with fans, how kind of humble, how appreciative he is of this opportunity to, to play for a big club like Everton. And I really think that slowly but surely Branson Silver have worked to put those kind of pieces together for tomorrow. And I think that's why, going back to what we were talking about before, it's got to be putting your best foot forward, putting the best options in, you know, because to, to get that win, you know, obviously. Silver then has his first win on the board, takes a little bit of pressure off, and then you can you can potentially start looking at those first six or seven matches and thinking, you know what, we could get a good little start. And it, it only takes, you know, what Chelsea had a few years ago after they won the league. You know, Man United and the movies. If if one of those big six don't get out the blocks as fast, and you build that confidence at the start of the season, it, it can be crucial. You know what I mean? If, if if you get that momentum, and you know, I'm not saying by any means we're going to do a Leicester and, and go home win the league, but a, a, an early start could could really benefit you like, like what Burnley had last season wasn't it you know they went to places like Chelsea and, and picked up results and I just think tomorrow's the, the the perfect chance for, for you know the players have really now got to show uh, silver kind of the faith he's shown in them and really hopefully as I was saying to Adam before I think what was Everton's big, the, the last big win I can remember is maybe West Ham the 4-0 but I don't remember many games even where Everton last season won 2-3-0 or 3-0 and really took the game to someone so if we can do what we did against Wolves with 10 men with 11 men then if I ask Mark Hughes I, I wouldn't be relishing coming to come to Goodison Park tomorrow
0: yeah. mm, dare we say make a start to a season like Watford did last season <laughs> <laughs> yes and hopefully it would end up uh, it will end up better um, just quickly on Richarlison has he got a song yet have we heard anything do you know what I'm sure I did see
2: something on social media the other day but I can't remember. Yeah, there was one in it the. It
1: can't I asked, be long,
0: asked, can I, it? Before
1: that. Oh, it, it, it's coming. It was bouncing. Up. I seen it on social. It was yeah. bouncing in the uh, in the gangway, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. At Wolves, but I couldn't l- make out any of the words or. Hopefully, we'll see that at the weekend. Yes.
2: Um, if anyone deserves a song, especially have with you, how he's treated. Have you wrote one, Phil,
0: Oh. <sighs> I've been working on something, but it's it's <laughs> is it, is still it in the own, early stages, so I don't want to reveal tune, it. Though? Or is it to the? Oh, it's an original, yeah. You can only put it to your music. Yeah. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So let's now quickly move on to speak about one of the people who was heavily involved in bringing Richarlison to the football club. Uh, he'd wanted him when he was the sporting director of PSV and regretted the decision not to press ahead with the plans and then Watford obviously swooped in and got him. It's of course Marcel Brands. Uh, as I'm sure you're fully aware, he's uh, been doing some media work this week. Uh, we sat down with him. Gave a really entertaining uh, interview as he did to other other publications and and, and has been on radio as well. Um, Adam, what did you t- you know? What did you take from from what Marcel was saying, and how did it make you feel about the man that's not at the helm of the football club, but he's in you know he's really controlling the day to day football operations, if you like?
2: I think it made me feel extremely confident in the work that he's going to bring to Everton. I don't want to talk about the previous regime a little too much because I think we've gone over that multiple times but you know like I, th- I think the the quote that resonated with me most was when he was talking about his uh, negotiations with Barcelona for Yerimina and he revealed that he never changed his price even when rumours of Man United's interest came in you know Barcelona wanted that five million more and in the grand scheme of things five million is probably not a lot to Everton these days with Farhad Machiri's investments but it was his confidence in his own ability and his just stubbornness, essentially, which really impressed me. You know, you've got one of the the biggest clubs in Europe, in the world, just demanding just a little bit extra, and he st- he just stood up and said, "No, I'm, I'm not going to give you any extra. This is the amount that I want to pay, and I, I I am prepared to walk away and look at other targets if you're not going to if you're not going to to my needs." And I think that gives me so much confidence, especially when you're looking at the failures of last summer. You know, I think we probably were caught out by that a little bit like earlier in the transfer window paying probably a bit of a premium on some players you know perhaps Keane probably definitely Davy Class, and you know getting paying that premium to get them in early just because they were our number one target and we needed to get them in and you know that hasn't worked out and I like to see Marcel Brands coming in and just being assertive even even with some of Europe's biggest clubs even if it's his number one target just say well no this if if it's not going to be the price that I want, then I'm not going to pursue this deal. And I think that's really confidence for the future of Everton going forward.
0: Sam, do you feel that renewed sense of confidence that with Marcel at the helm?
1: Yeah, I think obviously, I know it's early days, so you have a lot of media duties and stuff, but everything he said has always kind of struck the right chord. You know, he spoke a lot about not just being, you know, I think a lot of people just assume directors of football are just this kind of football manager style, buying and selling Football players, it's you know that is not what the modern role kind of encapsulates. And as Adam says, not going in on any former director of football that ever may or may not have had. we <laughs>
0: have only had one former, so we all know who
1: you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Steve. uh obviously <laughs> talked a lot about growing the academy and 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 looking at all aspects of the club. But I think something that struck me from your interview with him and, and the interviews he'd done with the radio and so, there was just a lot of honesty, wasn't it? There? there was no skirting around things, you know. Stuff like the the Zuma deal and and what he said about negotiating with Barcelona, probably things that you don't necessarily have to say if you don't you know you could you could, you could mask that you could you could talk about you know your usual kind of football uh and that a lot of people now come out mm. with and that we are used to. But I just thought it was kind of refreshing. I think it's been refreshing that he puts himself out there as as the man who's kind of you know doing all this stuff and he's running these things and he's you know and and the way he's done on deadline day between him and, and Bill Kenwright uh, Marco Silva and everyone else beyond, behind the scenes was probably, hopefully Everton's best ever deadline day in, in, in a few we can look back on in a few months time so I think it's just nice to have a man now that you genuinely, you know what he does, he comes out and he talks about what he does you can see what he's wanting to do being put into place and I think that his words kind of match his actions as well and I think you know no no Evertonians will, will knock that and, and hopefully that how impressive he is kind of off the pitch reflects on our performances
0: on the pitch Hindsight's a wonderful thing and you know we can talk about ifs buts and maybes but Adam given that Farhad and the chairman had been keen to try and get Marcel in two years ago the start of this project if you like for want of a better phrase do you wonder given the the early and relative success of, of this summer and the way it's gone do you wonder if there's if they're sat there in their offices thinking god if only we had got him two years ago <laughs> you, you
2: can't help but think that really can you I mean obviously we had two years of a director of football who I think was put uh, entirely out of his comfort zone which <sighs> are we saying that Marcel Brands wouldn't have been like if, if he's turned that down if he's turned us down two years ago that it'll be for good reason mm. maybe fourth he wasn't ready for the move to the Premier League, and obviously he stayed at PSV, and they ended up winning a lot of things with him still there. Maybe that was what he needed. Like maybe if does that give him- you does that
0: give you encouragement that maybe it was he wanted to see a, a, a long term project through.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, and it, it should give us confidence that he is fully committed to the cause that he is, you know, he's then signed on to. I think. I, I, I'm just not convinced that he would have. Like, if he has turned us down two years ago, that it is, it is massively for a good reason. And I think there's no, there's no suggestion that if he'd have joined us two years ago, that we'd have been the same kind of man that he is now. That you know, that man who can go into those Barcelona negotiations and say, well, no. Like, he's got, he's got now the confidence of winning so many things under his belt at PSV that he's, he's got. We've walked into Everton now, and he's like, well, yeah. I'd I might not have had experience in any other league than the Eredivisie but I'm so successful in the Eredivisie that it doesn't really matter anymore mm.
0: Interesting um, Marcel before we wrap up uh, briefly spoke about uh, uh, to us this week that uh, he feared the transfer of Bernard had slipped away and that Everson weren't going to get hold of him uh, and obviously came back around and uh, they very quickly and swiftly pressed that one ahead and, and got that deal done Sam um we said we'd speak about the Brazilian playmaker. Is it too early to start him on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think for now. I don't really see where he'd kind of fit into that attacking quartet, I think. It's a funny one with Bernard because, you know, I'm I'm trying my best to not get too excited about him because at the same time, when we signed David Classen, I was literally telling all my mates that we'd won the league.
0: <laughs> so I think before... It's big of you to make that public, Sam.
1: <laughs> was he not your favourite player? Well, I'll have to... Taught so, me class and kits for last season, but yeah. apart from that, but <laughs> I think that I think that's the only difficult thing with Bernard, isn't it? Kind of looking now with the way the started, you've got Walcott, obviously you've got the the Luckman situation, but obviously you, you hope and I, I'd expect that Luckman will still be an Everton player in September. You've got Sigurdsson who also plays in in the tent. so it'll be interesting to see how how Marco wants to wants to use Bernard Bernard. But I think there is that genuine excitement of you know when I've seen him play he's quick he's fleet footed he's basically a player that we haven't ever had do you know what I mean so I think it's going to be it's going to be really exciting and if if he can land on his feet and he can he can get used to obviously the the rigours of the Premier League which unfortunately people like Classen couldn't you really do start looking then at that from four or five and saying you know what that's not that bad when you were looking at it last season and, and thinking that we really didn't have anything and I think you know I think Joe pointed it out before when we were looking you know you can't forget, like, Tosin didn't score last weekend, but his little layoff for Charles And I think that Tosin is a striker who can generally link people like Sigurdsson and Bernard into the game and, b- and bring them into the game. So it's exciting times, really. And I think I'd like to see him on the bench and maybe if we were kind of strolling to a win, which will hopefully be the case, be able to ease him in. But I think, as Adam wrote, he's played something like five games all year, is it? Yeah, yeah. So for now, I, I really wouldn't expect to, to see him in the squad
2: Hmm. I I tend to agree I think giving him time uh, well I think giving any of the new signings time is probably paramount for Marco Silva at the minute and I think maybe for him obviously with his lack of game time and I think we need to be as patient with him as possible because obviously he's not exactly the biggest physical unit Mm. and uh, the Premier League is very well known as probably one of the most physical top leagues in Europe so I think we might need to give him some sort of time to adapt to it but I think in terms of where I see him fit in, I think it's probably these kind of games where you'd like to see him fit in a bit more. You know, These kind of home games where you're probably expecting to win and you're hopefully expecting to win at a canter, as you say, Sam. So I think maybe this is the time where you drop one of those defensive midfielders, put Sigurdsson and Bernard in, Mm. maybe drop Sigurdsson a bit further back. I think he can play in that role, like that box-to-box kind of midfielder. He's definitely got the energy for it. And we've been waiting for someone in that role with a bit of creativity. So maybe Sigurdsson's the answer. And then, you know, I've got no doubt that Bernard's going to have some great link-up play, especially with the likes of Richarlison and Tosun. So, yeah, I think we should very much be excited about Bernard. But, you know, I think, yeah, off the bench is
0: probably for the best for now. Here's hoping then that uh, the Blues do win at a canter, as we say, tomorrow against Southampton in Michael Silva's first home game in charge. Uh, We'll be there at Goodison as usual, bringing you all the best uh, analysis and opinion from the game. Um, So, thank you very much for listening to the latest edition of the Royal Blue podcast in association with Sport Pacer, and we'll see you again next week. The Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.